1: Welcome into the Alana Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Derek Piper live in Indianapolis. We have a full steak dinner in our stomachs. We got a beer in as well uh, after what has been a long but really fun weekend covering this Big Ten tournament. And for the first time for me covering Illinois basketball since 2008, yes, I've covered Illinois basketball for a long time. Uh, But Illinois will be playing on Sunday in the Big Ten tournament as they get to the championship game, advance there after beating Iowa for a third straight time, 82 to seventy-one, And on this version of the podcast we're going to talk about another huge Illini victory and they keep stacking and stacking great wins and putting themselves into the conversation among the actual nation elite and we will get into that uh, as Illinois waits a selection Sunday that will be unbelievably special whether they can beat Ohio State or not. But Derek Piper, what a weekend. We are here till Sunday. We had to book a new hotel. Uh, this has been quite a ride and quite an experience being back in, in a stadium with fans and to, to be able to watch fans get their first glimpse of this team doing what they're doing at the peak of what they're doing and to beat Iowa 82-71. to 71, um, th- This was This has been a journey, man, and it feels like we haven't even seen the best of it yet based on how this team is playing.
0: Yeah, it's all that you could ask for at this point. When you get fans in the stands for that kind of a matchup and one that I'm going to miss, let's be honest. If we don't see these teams meet up in the NCAA tournament, the fact that the next time Illinois and Iowa get together and there's not a Luca Garza and Io DeSumo, Joe Wieskamp potentially, Bohannon, Kofi, it's going to be an entirely different rivalry, and this is—they've given us a lot here the last two seasons, and it was another highly entertaining game, a high-level game for a lot of the the stretch um, from start to finish. And, and really, I didn't expect Illinois to, for most of the game, be ahead by double digits like they were. Um, but Kofi—that really speaks to his dominance in the first half. And yeah, I mean, I mean, the fans are, are there. There's a big presence. I, I thought that Iowa might match them a little bit more I didn't expect it to be even by any means but uh, there was a clear advantage as far as fan presence and as soon as Illinois walked out on that floor you just heard the roar and and they had a lot to cheer about once again in this game and um, it, it's quite a ride it, it just it just seems like this team continues to take steps toward that that special that special whatever it is that, um, that Echelon that yeah. Right of like Illinois basketball
1: teams, and there's two teams that immediately come to mind. It's it's '89 and 2005, but I, I think some people would throw you know some of the Big Ten champions of of the early 2000s into that mix. I mean, you kind of think of of 0304 kind of as the the lead into 04-05, but that was still a really good team. Uh, but I think we're getting into that area where it's like the expectations continue to rise because this team. Has won 13 of 14, Derek. And I don't know if you can do it with the schedule in front of you, but how many quad one wins in a row can this team get? I think it's four or five at this point. How many quad one wins can they get in the last three weeks? It's it's amazing. They now have 12 of these. And I think that's four more than any other potential number one seed right now. I think Oklahoma State second with 10. Um, They continue to win big game after big game in quick succession, which is actually exactly the lead-in you want into the NCAA tournament, where once you get to the second weekend, as long as you don't have a misstep in that that 8-9 game, I would imagine, um, that's what you have to do to win a national championship. So the teams they're running through, Rutgers, which is like a round of 32 game, Iowa, which is like an Elite 8 game, and then Ohio State, which is a potential Elite 8-slash-Final 4-type matchup, this is exactly the kind of tests you're going to get when it matters most. And for Illinois, winning a Big Ten tournament title means a lot after not getting the Big Ten regular season championship.
0: Yeah, and for the second time here, we, we've heard Brad Underwood talk about it. About it. We've heard I'd we talk about it. you got to win six in a row to win the NCAA tournament. And they rolled off seven in a row, and now all of a sudden they've won six in a row yet again five of those these last five games have all been quad one wins they have six quad one wins in the last three weeks or so and have another opportunity tomorrow to get another one if they win that that would be six and six quad one wins in a row uh, and make 13 quad one wins which would be by far and away the most in the country and like you said right now it's four more than the other one seeds it would be five more the other one seeds if they're able to do that was just ridiculous
1: and these are against top 10 teams i mean Iowa's was the number five team in the country and i picked them but bob osmussen asked me last week who wins this thing i i think Iowa's was playing fantastic basketball i thought they played pretty good basketball today michigan i know uh is lost today which a fans might be happy about uh for schadenfreude reasons but also might not be too thrilled because they want them in the championship game. But then Ohio State, who you beat last week, uh, who's had some late-game mishaps but has overcome them the last two days, you beat them. Uh, and they look certifiably like a two-seed yet again, and you beat them last week at their place. Uh, it, it's, it, it's a great run. And, and today, before I, I bid adieu to this potential Iowa-Illinois rivalry, Kofi Coburn, I tweeted in the middle of the game, but I've been I've been advocating, I know you have as well, Derek, and it's not being a homer. It's it's because Io is is the star of this team, he's the guy. Kofi Coburn sometimes feels like he doesn't get his due. Um, but if that guy is not one of your top ten players in the country, if he is not like if you're a media member or a coach and you don't have him at least as a second team All-American, throw it in the garbage. It's trash because this guy has been crushing people all year, goes for 26 points and, what, 8 rebounds against Luca Garza. And Luca Garza ends up with, with a great line of 21 points and 12 rebounds. He is a hell of a college basketball player. But he needed 21 shots to do it. And when, when you force him into being a jump shooter, Derek, um, he becomes way less efficient, way less scary. He's still going to get his... But Kofi completely canceled him out today and actually did better than him. And if he can do that to the National Player of the Year, the Big Ten Player of the Year, I think to the future, and when you think of Drew Timmy against Gonzaga or Baylor, whoever they throw out at you, or Oklahoma State or Florida State or whoever, there are teams that can throw a bunch of fives at you and that concerns you. But one-on-one, you feel like you have the matchup on the inside which is crazy to think because a couple of years ago, it was Georgie Bishanishvili and Greg Aboy Bodine or Aaron Jordan as your five rotation. Kofi Coburn is making one of the biggest impacts we've seen um, in a generation on a team. It just so happens to be on the team without Asumu. And what makes these, this team special is those two being elite together
0: has to be an all-American. There, there's no debate. it, it, it has to happen. The, the fact that he's done this in this league, what he's done in league play uh, has been flat out. fantastic. And, and in this in this game, particularly in the first half, he was unbelievable. as best as, as good as he's played uh, in a uniform, considering the opponent, considering the, the moment and just the efficiency and the dominance uh, of being able to finish around the rim. Uh, to be able to, to throw down those thunderous dunks. And the fact that Luka Garza, for as talented as he is and, and for as much as things look easy when you get him the ball in the post, he can't move Kofi. He can't create those angles. He can't uh, score around the rim, which is relative ease that he's really had throughout the last two years of being the National Player of the Year. And he's probably that again. And if you can dominate stretches or just have like you said a mismatch advantage against the national player of the year what the heck does that mean going forward like no one can handle this dude as far as his his is just pure size and, and physicality and um that guy's a lot of moves now that guy can spin baseline that guy can go with the right hook he can do a lot of different things and feel you out and uh he's not that predictable let's just make him make a move let's let's make him not be in the pick and roll and we might be okay no that's not him anymore uh, so his progression from last year in Iowa City, which was like an eye-opening experience going up against Garza, to now where Kofi was by far and away the the better big man today, was, was really it, it says a lot about his potential, but just how far he's come. And and like you said, for Garza to take twenty-one shots, and if it wasn't a jump shot, it wasn't easy for Luka Garza, and that. I mean, Kofi was spectacular, and there's nobody in the country that's going to go in with a big man and feel like we're going to feel good against him.
1: No, and, and you gave the, the visual there, Derek. I remember being in Iowa City, and we were so pumped for that game. And I remember leaving that game. They Illinois lost, and I'm giddy over what we just saw because it was two programs that hadn't been that good. And it felt like they were on the rise and that they could be a player come March. Um, they didn't get that chance, sadly, but it was like there was bad blood. You had the Chin Coleman thing after with Fran It was – and Connor and DeMonte going to other. It was just fantastic theater. And I was like, this is what college basketball is about. Illinois has a game like this again. But Kofi was shocked by how Garza played. Like, Kofi would see Jordan Bohannon have the ball at the opposite free throw line, taking the ball up. And Garza would already be putting his butt into him, getting position. And Kofi was just shocked by it. It's like, what is this guy doing? It's like, that he works that hard. That's how hard you have to work. And now to see Kofi, you know, in Champagne, have the block at the end, had a big performance in that game, just a slow Garza. Uh, and I, I don't know if you can get the last three games, Derek, that the Garza has played Illinois. It's been pretty inefficient, for relatively, for Luka Garza. But. Then to have the game earlier this year where Garza got in a foul of trouble and had 18 points on like 15 shots, and then today to completely outplay him. And there were times Kofi punked him. He stole the ball from, from Garz, just took his lunch on one play. Uh, then one play, Garza, he blocked Garz, and it was kind of embarrassing for Luca. Kudos to Luca; He recovered and made a jump shot. But it was like he was such a force to the National Player of the Year. And just a year and a half ago – he looked like a fawn getting taken down by a grizzly bear in Iowa City, right? So it's it's amazing how much he's grown. And the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit, Derek. But Kofi himself, like you said it, how many times this year have we actually talked about Kofi hands? Like that was a huge issue last year. Then the Nana hands had now gone to Kofi and I think there's one game where he's really turned it over just because he couldn't catch the ball. Uh, and then just the moves you're talking about, how patient he is in the post, uh, the counters he has. It's not just a guy flinging the ball at the at the hoop, like, like this raw uh, center anymore. He's, he's a refined Big Ten big man and, and one of the best in the country. And uh, I hope he gets his due for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you look at Illinois, who – have progressively gotten better and better defensively they're now number five in the country defensive efficiency part of that is their two-point field goal percentage defense their top 25 and clearly Kofi is as the driving force of that but yeah I do have Garza's numbers pulled up he had 28 in Champaign in that game I think quite a few were in that second half yes. where they're trying to make their comeback and they do Illinois only was at double digits and it, it's a, a one possession game and a chance for Iowa to win it there and uh, but 21 shots to get to 28 points, um, but when you look at just solely at this year, 19 points in Champagne came on 18 shots, and I know off the top he had one field goal, that being Luka, in the last eight, eight and a half minutes, and for Kofi to not only deny his catches, but also just when he does get the ball not provide that angle or that, that opportunity for him, and I, I see today the last basket that Luka made against Illinois, and it might be the last basket ever against Illinois, I know that Brad would prefer that, is at the 10-29 mark. Get an and one at the 10-29 mark in the second half. After that, no baskets for what's expected to be the national player of the year against Illinois. Um, yep. that, that says a lot about Kofi, who I know was in foul trouble, same with Luka, uh, but to not allow him to to really take over late. I mean, says a lot. says a lot about Kofi, who – in that last two-and-a-half-minute stretch, had a, had a layup, had a dunk, and, and that was it. Yeah, And I, I want to mark this, too. He had a great start to the second half, Luka Garza,
1: right? And, and uh, early and mid in the second half, he did a pretty good job. Um, but from the 16 mark of the first half to the two-minute mark of the first half, he didn't get a field goal. Thing of Hugo, like so you took him out, and it was a kudos to Wieskamp Camp and Bohannon who have been playing their butts off for Iowa. And a big reason I had picked incorrectly that I would win, because these, these guys have just taken their game to another level. But Illinois has a Garza, well not stopper, but a Garza answer, and you take that into the NCAA tournament, uh, it's unbelievable. So Kofi deserves. A bunch of credit uh, for this game. But also, Derek, your two-league guards continue to play extremely well. Io DeSumo, ho-hum, flirts with another triple-double, 18 points. Wasn't as efficient. Uh, missed some shots that could have been like closing killer shots today. But 18 points, got to the free-throw line, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. He had 4 assists within the first 2 minutes of this game. On the first 4 field goals. He was just seeing the court uh, and the late level. Um, so Io does what Io does. I don't even know if we need to com- compliment it anymore. Just because it's it, we're used
0: to it, but he's just so locked in.
1: But then Andre that Cur-
0: deserves a, a mention, though. The poster on, yes. was it Patrick McCaffrey? That, that was pretty nice.
1: But doesn't like Curbelo get credit for that, too? Because fin- I think it was Curbelo that had that fantastic pass. But Andre Curbelo, after a really in the limelight, didn't play well to start yesterday against Rutgers, and by the time he really started producing, the game was all already over, Uh, but he played such a huge role, and it wasn't just on offense. He had 12 points on 6 of 8 shooting, but he also had 7 rebounds, 3 assists, but he had 3 steals. He picked Bohannon's pocket, I think he picked Garza's pocket on one, and and all of those were real momentum swingers, and while I don't think Curbelo He's going to get taken advantage of, Derek, sometimes just because of his size on defense. He can be Trent Frazier pesky on defense because he's so quick and his hands are so good. Uh, Bohannon had a great night, 20 points, but in some big moments, Andre Curbel answered the call, and and so did Adam Miller. I mean, that three in the second half to stave off what felt like Iowa's big run at the game um, while Kofi was on the bench. I, I thought both those freshmen came up with monster plays tonight.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. When, when Kofi had gone to the bench and Luka gets an and-one, and then Iowa scores again to cut it to eight, and, and Miller, who I thought in the first half, he went one for six from three. He makes one or two more of those, and it's a blowout. It's a blowout for Illinois, and he missed some really good looks from the corner, but he steps up and kind of a step-back, pull-up jumper from three at the top of the key. It was a confident shot. It's a confident dude, uh, and he makes it, and that was a huge one. And Yeah, Curbelo just – There, there's just those magical moments, you know, I mean, we've talked about it all year long. He had one of those in the second half where he just does some things with the ball and gets to the rim that it just wow you. But it was defensively that three steals led to, all three, if I'm not mistaken, led to dunks. There were two that were pick sixes, however you want to call it for for Corbello, where he steals and takes it coast to coast for a dunk and and the fans go crazy. Uh, And then one was a steal, he dives on the floor, he kicks it to Io Io gets a dunk, and that was, I mean, those those are tide-turning plays, or just building on to Illinois' own momentum, so uh, I agree with you, just his instincts, his, his kind of basketball IQ, his savvy, he's going to have some ability to bother some people defensively, I mean, there's going to be guys that can, similar to Trent, shoot over him, drive through him, because he doesn't have the physicality, um, but that to be able to pivot off of a a struggling game against Rutgers and, and show up in this one where Bohannon was playing pretty well. Um, uh, t- to have that kind of a moment was impressive. And as you wrote about a lot of fans that hadn't seen Illinois up to this point, wanted to see that dude live. And he was a show today for sure. Oh my God. He was a
1: magician uh, tonight. Uh, but, all right. So we're going to answer some, some questions. You sent Derek on Twitter, we wanted a little time because I know a lot of fans are just so pumped about this team and some of these things we talked about over dinner. So they're actually really good topics you sent in. Uh, And before we get to maybe an Ohio State preview, quickly, um, I do have to tip our cap and bid adieu unless there's a Final Four rematch, which I think it would need to be a Final Four rematch because Iowa's going to be a two-seed and very deserving of a two-seed. Uh, They're playing great basketball right now, even though Illinois uh, beat them. I would not want them in my bracket um, if I were any other team. So if we got a a Gonzaga-Iowa matchup rematch would be great, or a Baylor-Iowa matchup, I'd love it. But this rivalry has been such a joy to watch in person. Like We've gotten to watch these last four games these last two years, Derek. Um, two of them this year, two of them last year, we got robbed of the big 10 tournament four or five matchup last year. Um, but this is just what college basketball is all about. And Brad Underwood and Fran McCaffrey, we know he's seen it before games. Like they really enjoy each other. Like, I think there's a lot of respect between those two. Even Iowa, when he said, I don't like, we don't like those guys, but he said, we like, he basically said, we respect them because we know they go hard and they're good. Um, so, I think there's a lot of mutual respect here. Luca Garza has talked about it with especially Ayo uh, and Kofi. But Bohannon is such a good player. And, and Brad gave him the ultimate compliment of saying, um, tough little sucker. He's just a tough little sucker. Wieskamp's going to be playing in the NBA. And then Brad took time and, and got Luka to come over to him, and they shared some words. And he just said how much he appreciates him as a player. Uh, but you can tell you know, Iowa's got some respect for Illinois with how hard they play. I think it's a tough matchup for Iowa now, given how good Kofi is with the athleticism they have out there. But these two teams play so dang hard. And I think both fan bases should be really proud of them. Luka and Iowa are, are just such great representatives. But, man, they put on shows, right? And, like, you can tell they both care so much about this. These two teams epitomize what we love about college basketball. And this is the last iteration I think we get of this. I don't think – Unless Bohannon and Frazier want to bring it back for a fifth and seventh year. Um, you know Maybe we'll get McCaffrey, Demonte Williams if they want to come back. Uh, but it's going to be like C.J. Frederick and Andre Corbello next year, right? Or Adam Miller and Keegan Murray next year. So it's going to be a different iteration of it. But this was fantastic. These last two years of these two teams playing each other was high level.
0: It's going to lose its pop a little bit next year. And it's sad to say, but there's no doubt that it's time to – sit back and appreciate just the fact that Luca and Io are arguably the two best college players in the sport right now. And the fact that those two going against each other and competing for Big Ten Player of the Year, National Player of the Year, Kofi and Luca. I think when you look back, even go back a decade, how good those guys are in the context of big men in the Big Ten is pretty incredible. So uh, like you said, not only do they provide just Incredible effort, intensity. Both really bought in well and and knew their, embraced the role of the rivalry and th- different characters as you've talked about before. Like Fran's a great character in the rivalry. Like uh, as far as being disliked from the other side, but um, it's been fun. It's been really fun. But they play fun brands of basketball against each other too. The up and down, the offensive firepower, uh, the physicality inside of the big guys and. Um, yeah, and some of the chippiness that, that we've seen between Connor and Demonte or uh, even uh, coaches getting involved in that as well. So um, it, it's it's been really refreshing for two programs that kind of came up at the same time and have a rich tradition and ha- obviously have a rivalry in the past and reasons to dislike each other, fan bases that are crazy. Uh, I still remember finally, even when Illinois lost, And Iowa City, just the atmosphere in that building when those two were going at each other was just incredible. So uh, hats off to both sides. But yeah, definitely Iowa, who I I know fans may not like when Garza beats his chest towards the crowd or he was shushing them earlier today. I mean, that dude is really freaking good. And really respectful of Iowa, of Kofi, of Illinois, and, and that's been fun to see.
1: And he's just – he's a hard worker,
0: right? Like all of those guys are, are really hard workers.
1: And I think the program's kind of – they're different. Uh, I think Illinois is more talented. Um, and, and they got uh, a little bit more flair, I think, to them with, with their league guards. But uh, that Iowa program's skilled, and, and, and they're tough. Um, so uh, one thing is, though, Brad had struggled against Iowa. You know, leading into this year, right? Outside of last year's win, he was 0 5 against Iowa with some bad losses there, some some beatdowns there. Luca's first great game was against uh, Illinois, but last year they turned the tide. They've now won three in a row. So Illinois' got a little bragging rights against the Hawkeyes now. All right, Derek, let's, let's turn the page before we get to our listener submitted questions. Uh, Ohio State is up next. These two teams split. Uh, Illinois won on the road. Ohio State won on the road. I think it's a very interesting matchup, and I think we've seen that play out in two games here where Illinois has a huge advantage, I think, at lead guard at, at center, but Ohio State probably has the advantage at the three other positions for the most part, and EJ Liddell is a really tough matchup. The one difference is Kyle Young. He's not expected to play in this game, and he's a guy who can really stretch Kofi out, and just gives them another good big that they can throw at Kofi. So Ohio State, you know, kind of came into this. Are they going to fall to a three seed? That's definitely not the case after their last couple games, beating uh, or three games now they played in a row. So they're playing their fourth game in four days here, Uh, but they beat Purdue, which is a great win for them. Michigan, which is a great win for them, even without Isaiah Livers. So what do you think of round three? of this matchup between the Buckeyes and the Illini, Derek?
0: It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun in Ohio State. I mean, if they're making threes like they have here recently, I just pull up the numbers real quick. Last two games, they made 23 of them. Uh, and that's something that, I mean, this is an offense that's ranking in the top 10, maybe even the top five offensive efficiency in the country. When they're able to shoot it like that, we saw them in Champaign really go off from three. That can, they can beat anybody. Uh, now they do need to clean up what's been here this last five last seven minutes of the game where uh they've kind of melted down or 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 things have gotten real dicey even against minnesota even against purdue and and michigan today uh and and also illinois where it looked for uh, a good moment there like ohio state was just going to kind of cruise past in the final moments and um Illinois was able to to come back because Ohio State couldn't close that game but EJ is still a matchup problem still something Illinois is going to have to deal with it will be interesting to see do you continue from DeMonte defending him really well at the end of the last game is that kind of the game plan going in okay we want DeMonte on him because of his physicality yes he's given up five inches on him can you have success doing that Uh, and can EJ not not kill you because look I mean he he likes to kill the, the orange and blue. We've seen that plenty of times. but
1: He almost did it a third time last game, right? <laughs> yeah, he almost
0: did, absolutely. But uh, I think you do bring a, a, up a good point without Kyle Young. Just one extra body they can't throw at him because they don't have the the size really to to contest. They, they got to use physicality, maybe put some fouls on some certain guys, Zed Key, EJ. Illinois should win the game when you look at the way they're playing and on paper as far as some certain matchup advantages. But we'll see. If Ohio State is able to make threes and EJ can continue to be a pain in your side, it's not going to be easy.
1: It's like an Elite Eight Final Four, you know, back-to-back, and it's it's unbelievable uh, what Illinois is doing right now. But they have number 11, man, and he has been setting the tone, uh, and it feels like everybody is elevating their game at the right time. I mean, Adam Miller hits some. Big shots tonight. Uh, Trent Frazier, I thought, had a solid performance. We see Andre Corbello not be afraid of these kind of environments, even though he hasn't been in front of fans until this week, right? Like, uh, I just think they're all elevating their game at the right time, but they're going to get tested tomorrow. It's it's not going to be easy, uh, I don't think. (laughs) I didn't think Rutgers would be easy either, and look what Illinois did there. So I do think Illinois pulls it out tomorrow, but uh, even if they don't, it's going to be a special Sunday. Um, You are playing for a Big Ten title and and Big Ten tournament title for the first time in thirteen years, and you are going to hear your name called as a one seed. And I was—I think I told you this. If they win this whole thing, are they the number two overall seed? Our boy Brad Evans at FtnBets.com currently has Illinois as the number two overall seed right now. Now I don't think that changes much for them because they still can't draw Iowa or Ohio State, and Gonzaga would get Houston, who is currently the two seed. Um, So you'd still get Alabama most likely, or maybe, well, I guess Michigan you couldn't draw. I don't know how they would do that with so many Big Ten teams. But um, it wouldn't change much. We'd still say something that Illinois, who when Io got hurt, were sitting there going, can they hang on to a three seed? And now, as we said, Derek, six straight potential quad one wins to be the number two team in the country heading into the NCAA tournament. It's absolutely nuts, this run. they on 13 or 14 games. Uh, but Sunday's going to be a treat. I, I think no matter what, Sunday's going to be a treat for Illini fans because you're playing in the Big Ten tournament title. You're going to be a number one overall seed. This is one of the best years uh, in Illinois basketball history.
0: It is, for sure. And there's a slight hint of disappointment that Michigan's not there, that you can't be the ones to, to put them – put them down to, to, to show that, you know, we're the best team in the Big Ten. I mean, you can do that by winning tomorrow. Uh, I think that you can state that claim and no one's going to call you whiners or ridiculous or whatever, whatever math you want to compute there. Um, Illinois can definitely make that that argument based on the way that they're playing right now. And I think it's interesting with Baylor and trying to jump over them as far as the number two, one seed yeah, they'd have the fact that they, they haven't played as many games as you. They won the head-to-head against you, but Illinois potentially having five more quad one wins than Baylor, I understand why there'd be at least a case there. Um, but by you advancing to Big Ten tournament final, you're for sure over Michigan. You're at least the number one or the number three number one seed. We get all these number one, number threes, whatever, but. You're a great spot. It's going to be a great Selection Sunday. And I mentioned to you just the thought of them being that team. We, we see it every year, particularly in a normal year. You're sitting there, uh, the Big Ten tournament winner, with that trophy on Selection Sunday and the one seed coming out of the Big Ten. Like For that to be Illinois, man, how, how far you've come. And for everything that has
1: been made of it, both because Illinois keeps talking about it, you bag your Big Ten banner. Yeah. Right? Like, you, after all of that complaining, uh, which I thought there was definitely a case for the Big Ten title, but it is complaining, right? Like, whether you take that as negative connotation or positive, like Illinois had a case for the Big Ten title, and I thought they had a great case. I think they've now proven themselves as the best team in the Big Ten. Go get your banner. Go bag that Big Ten title banner tomorrow uh, and just keep that chip on your shoulder, and I think that was part of what Whitman and Underwood have been doing is keep growing that chip that people don't believe in you. Look what they've done over the last month. It is absolutely ridiculous. All right, when we come back, let's take a quick break. We'll take your questions, let you take over the pod right here on the Alana Inquirer podcast. all right, we haven't done this. We might do it a little bit more as we go along, uh, but let's do some quick hitters, Derek, of people sent in some questions. Um, and let's start with Dave, who makes it a little bit personal. How much fun are you guys having with this team?
0: Derek? Oh, man. As much as, as, much as I've ever had cover, covering the team, man, it's, I said it when I was talking on the WCIA pregame, and I just remember walking around State Farm Center in the spring and the summer, and wondering if there's even going to be basketball. I mean, this is what we do, and I can I can confirm, guys. Derek was in a
1: <laughs> I don't want to say, but like you were down, man, and I could tell you were down, and I got it. Like me, I get into like fix it mode, like okay, this is what we do next. Derek was more in like this sucks mode, and and that's totally understandable given the team we were just watching given the time you and I have invested in covering really bad teams, right? Like I think finally covering a good team and, and you and I talked about this at dinner, um, covering a good team is one thing, but then covering a fun to watch team, a team full of star personalities and a team that's been really accommodating, uh, through a pandemic and, Derek Burson, Kent Brown deserve a lot of credit for setting up all these Zooms. But these players, most of them, enjoy talking with us. They tell us their stories. They, they tell us. They have fun with us. And and Brad certainly has been patient with us through these Zooms. And it, it, being a media major himself, he understands the value of all of this. But put all that together, man. And, yeah, absolutely. We love sports. And we're covering big-time sporting events. And we haven't been doing that very often around here. So, um, it's been awesome. It's been awesome
0: personally. Yeah, for sure. And to finally add fans to the fold, again, just kind of feel that atmosphere and feel that eruption um, to celebrate what they're doing, but just to kind of be in the building and be like, yeah, this is this is what it's about and what Illinois had going on at the end of last year. So it's all here, man. And we've I always joke and, and think back to when we're like, one of these days, it could happen, it might happen. It's here, and um, we're just soaking it up.
1: We had a couple of people text us this week. Man, I'm so jealous you get to be there. And I'm like, were you jealous in 2016 when you covered Illinois football at Rutgers? Were you jealous covering 0-7 Illinois football at Minnesota when Cam Thomas was playing quarterback? Like, you make all those trips, and you, you spend all those hours on the road, Derek. And I know you've spent many hours traveling to Indiana for a beatdown on ESPN or Michigan state to go watch a team without Kendrick Nunn. Oh, <laughs> right.
0: That was the story.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but all those times, like we spent a lot of time going to cover them. Brett Barron's at WCIA and you know the news Gazette and all those guys, like you go, you cover the team no matter if they're good or bad. And you tell the story, whether good or bad and you try to be fair throughout it. But covering these big time events is what you love and what you love to cover. And yeah, we enjoy it. And I hope Illinois goes far just cause it's fun for me and my job to cover it. Um, so yeah, this has been, this has been a trip. Man.
0: The Washington DC trip <laughs> is, is the, the counter to that, which we risked, our lives. <laughs> we risked our lives. We weren't there that long. We flew in, we watched a game at 11 AM and then we flew out the next morning and, uh, that was that was kind of it. And then we got to deal with the coaching search. And, and this is far better to that. So um, we're soaking it up. We're enjoying it. We can see the look on the faces of the guys we cover, the guys that yes. we've gotten to know, too. And that, that's what makes it special, just kind of understand that they're in that big-time moment and the way that they've gone through everything to get up to the best, this point is, is really fun to see.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: And you, you know Io that does that. But, like, Kofi actually
1: – like says it and enjoy like, dude, we sucked.
0: When I committed this program, they
1: lost to a bad team and it's it's fun to see like he is so excited to be here and he should be. Uh okay, Brandon Simberg, Daily Line, what was the best place you ate in Indy? Well we've only gone one place really so far, uh, and that would be Bynum Steakhouse, which is close to our uh we spent a, a pretty penny on some steaks, but boy was it worth it. So Bynum Steakhouse, it's not downtown We stayed downtown last night, but uh, it was way too late, and we had a weird experience that we covered in the last podcast, but tonight we said, okay, before we write everything tonight and spend hours writing, let's go get a really good meal in in Bynum Steakhouse. Kudos to you. You took care of us tonight.
0: Unbelievable stuff. I mean, I didn't even know we were getting French onion soup. That wasn't even – I didn't see that explained in the menu, but – yeah, the, the New York Strip was fantastic. Um, I can't shout out the gas station we were at last night. I don't even know the name. Um, there wasn't any beer there. I got some beef jerky and some cheeses I haven't opened yet. But, um, yeah, the, the the steak dinner was spot on, and a couple beers was was needed. Adam asked, it's kind of
1: a side note. It's not, though. Um, but I'd be interested in what the Illinois fan base looked like there at the game. It's got to be such a difference for the guys to have actual fans there. The first one, okay, you're in there. It's a huge stadium cut in half with this curtain. And it is, I mean, it looks sparse, right, when you're in there. But after being in these empty college sta- arenas all year, when there's a big play, there you can tell there's thousands of people in there, even though it looks like maybe hundreds because it's so sparse. But you can hear them, and you can feel them, and the players are certainly playing to it. After every big play, they go and look to the one side of the court, which I think the cameras are on. So they look to the one side of the court, and they're pumping them up. Iowa's been playing to the crowd. Kofi has been playing to the crowd. Of course, Curbelo has been, especially today. Um, It's made an impact. And I think Illinois fans have made a big impact because the teams they've played against, Rutgers did not have any fans. Uh, And then Iowa had a solid contingent, but uh, I think outside of Purdue and Indiana, Illinois certainly had the most fans for the quarterfinal day. uh, or Indiana was the the day before that, but um, outside of those two fan bases, I think Illinois has been better represented. And and tomorrow, Ohio State, with all those tickets that are going to be on the market and all these Illinois fans wanting to be a part of this, I think it's going to be at least a four or five to one advantage for Illinois fans.
0: Yeah, it, it certainly will be, and, and like you said, the sheer size of the stadium and, and kind of the spaced out nature—you don't see the just the pure like painted orange sections, but you certainly hear it. I, I don't know if the acoustics—I don't know if I'm even using that word right—but just kind of yeah, the 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 roar of the crowd and the way it echoes through that building. But just you can tell there, there's that presence is felt for sure, and, and whether it's before the game, as I mentioned particularly against Rutgers when it was the first chance to really get in there and see them and the warmups and you're trying to get down there and take the videos. Or I noticed it after today's game where you are getting the IO MVP chance and he's doing the post game and they're kind of like, circling around that tunnel as he walks off the floor and and you can just tell like they're going crazy and there was a roar in the concourse afterwards we weren't out there we were getting ready for the media zoom but there's
1: an ILL and I chant in the concourse as people were leaving the stadium I mean you can it you don't see it as much as you hear it and I think because we haven't had those things this year it's it's louder but it's also because there are thousands of fans in there. It's just so spread out that it doesn't look like it in this huge NFL stadium.
0: Yeah, it doesn't when they're in the seats. You can tell when you're walking through the concourse and we're going from one side to go get our Diet Cokes on the other side of the uh, stadium that you walk past all those people in there. And there's a number of orange 11 jerseys and, and just a bunch of Atlanta fans that are hungry to see this team play. and. Uh, it's it's really, really cool because we saw that hunger in the State Farm Center late last year, and it, to finally have those people get that opportunity has been awesome. Yeah,
1: a lot of 11 jerseys, just one year too late on the NIL for, for Iowa to assume we there. All right, um, you've been talking about this, Derek, and I think you're on the money. Nathaniel asks, are we in a tier with Baylor and Gonzaga now?
0: Yes, absolutely. The... Gonzaga, Baylor, everyone else is outdated. doesn't exist anymore. It's not real. Uh, look, Baylor's lost two games all year. Did uh, you
1: just go fake news? I
0: did. <laughs> I, I, I think so. I think I did. Um, I still love Baylor. I, I think when when they're right, when, when they're in their in their groove, uh, which got thrown off for a long COVID pause, uh, they're as good as anybody. And I, I love watching them play. They have not been quite themselves since coming back. But even even without their loss to Oklahoma State, it had flipped where it, Baylor can get back to who they were earlier in the season. Illinois is not going back to who they were in the season. I think they've proven that they are now deserving of being on that elite tier. I watched Gonzaga play. I know it's it's kind of that frustrating deal where you see them in the non-conference and they really challenge themselves. Like they played Iowa and they convincingly won. They beat Virginia. They beat Kansas. They beat a handful of teams, and then they go into their conference and they play BYU, and you're, you're having a hard time judging. It. Are they bored? Are they just – I don't know. They're, it's hard to judge how impressive it really is. It Illinois can give them problems. Like Kofi against Drew Timmy would be a great matchup, but Kofi would be a heck of a challenge for, for Timmy, uh, Io against them. I don't. I don't get the sense – I think it's wrong to put it as – gonzaga is just another tier above them because when i look at the matchups, illinois can beat them illinois can beat baylor illinois can beat anybody that they go on the court against right now and i i think that that puts them in that that upper tier you can't talk title contenders without mentioning their name in that first breath with gonzaga with baylor and if you want to throw michigan in there i'd be okay with it yeah Uh, gonzaga i think of like
1: i think defensively there's some tough matchups there. Like Corey Kispert's a tough matchup for a Jacob Grandison or DeMonte Williams, right? Or if Adam Miller has to guard him at the three. Um Jalen Suggs has a lot of size advantage on Trent Frazier. And the rest of their guys are 6'5 plus. Like that that's a that's a potential problem there. But them guarding Andre Corbello, Adam um Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn is also an issue for them. So, yeah, I think that'd be a phenomenal matchup. Hopefully we get it uh, back here at Lucas Oil Stadium at some point. Mariah asked, this is Mariah Guzman, um, how's Jeremy feeling about that Iowa pick right now? Terrible. <laughs> See, here's the thing about predictions. Like, I don't stake, like, my reputation as a writer or a reporter goes on it. Like, they're just fun. Bob Osmussen asked me for a pick. I thought Iowa was playing great. I thought it would mean a lot to them. Um, But Illinois is clearly the better team, and I was wrong with that pick. But uh, Tommy Bagadonuts followed up. He picked Iowa. How does that guy have a job? I mean, really, he's absolutely awful at every aspect of it. All right, Tommy, that, that's, that's your call. I just picked Iowa. <laughs> for a game but uh that's cool
0: did you you picked uh Derek Piper picked Illinois so you're the fan favorite Derek uh, I will carry that mantle although I felt a little bad saying that Rutgers was gonna be tough because um <laughs> there's nothing tough about that one uh I think it's
1: Zia Zia uh, asked how does the team recover after two games and two days how does four games and four days impact Ohio State tomorrow I would imagine it impacts Ohio State a little bit more than than Illinois uh Derek you've seen guys. Play five games in three days and some of these AU tournaments before, uh, but it can get sloppy. Your legs can get tired, especially at these high level, high pressure games. Uh, Illinois and, and Fletch seem to do a really good job. Like all the guys talk about: rest, relax, hydrate, eat protein. Like Kofi and Andre. Like it's 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 ingrained in these guys. So I think the recovery is fine. But at some point, I think even tonight, Illinois Iowa. Got a little tired on two days and in, in, or two games in two days, but it's just part of it. Um, and Ohio State playing a fourth and four days, I think, certainly benefits Illinois. I think we've seen this with Illinois kind of surprise runs in 2008. I think 1999 was the other one. Like by the fifth day of Illinois or fourth day of Illinois playing in the tournament, like they were dead. Like they were just dog tired. Plus they're playing one of the best teams in the Big Ten. So. Uh, I think this actually is advantage Illinois, but I don't think it's as big of a deal as we usually make it out to be.
0: Yeah, I would agree with, with the, the full point that you made there. Uh, the fact that four games in four days is something to to raise your eyebrows at a little bit as far as what the Buckeyes are facing. And then for just them to, to go from we had to deal with Travion, we had to deal with Dickinson, and then here comes Kofi off of his most dominant game since the Big Ten opener. I mean, that – that's going to be tough for them to deal with. And not to have Kyle Young, uh, again, as we mentioned in that front court rotation. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, with AAU and everything, these guys have have been used to and accustomed to playing a lot of basketball. And there's everything on the line. It's Selection Sunday. The, the emotions and, and just kind of the adrenaline can carry you there when you have a, a Big Ten tournament title on the line. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about him. I think maybe you see – some signs from both sides of a little bit of fatigue. But I think for Illinois in particular, and Ohio State is this as well, they have a nice balance. You're not relying just on two guys to really carry you. And in Illinois in particular, just kind of the different contributions they've gotten. I think it's allowed them to shoulder the load, and I think that they'll be they'll be fine. As the
1: team moves on, this from Chad, uh, out of the Big Ten and into the tournament, do you have any concerns that their physicality could negatively impact them, like the refs of other teams, like not accustomed to Kofi, potentially? Um, I don't know if it would be handsy defensively, because I don't know if Illinois gets too handsy uh, defensively, but they are a physical team. Uh, if a Pac-12 refs or SEC refs, is that concern you at all? I mean, I'd be concerned if any game Kofi gets into foul trouble, right? But I think Illinois can withstand Kofi in foul trouble, but they're not playing to their potential if he's on the bench for – more than 10, 15 minutes in a game.
0: You said it right there. Any, any game that Kofi gets in foul trouble, you'd worry about this team a little bit. And, and there were even some moments today where the Iowa bench, Fran would have liked maybe an over-the-back call or just uh, – I, I thought for the most part they did a pretty good job, Bo Borowski and crew, letting those big guys just go at each other and be physical inside, and, and if Kofi's going to get fouls for being big, as we've seen at times throughout the season, then Illinois can be in a, a bit of a, a tough spot if Georgie has to spot him for long moments, and if there is another big on the other side who he can't stop, or if Georgie's just having one of those games where he's making mistakes. So, yeah, I think that there's there's a thought in that at times, but like, like you said, I don't think that they're one of those teams that I'm not thinking of them as a Chris Kramer Purdue team where maybe they're they're hacking you and it's just based on the refs what they're calling. I don't think that's this team, but they they are d- definitely physical inside, in particular with Kofi. And I don't know, you just play your you play your game.
1: Follow trouble like it's only Kofi that I would worry about just because he's so impactful when he's on the court. Uh, Chris asks, what's with the head tapping? someone here can probably answer that so when IO dunks on McCaffrey why are, why is Tyler Underwood tapping on his head Derek
0: dunked on his head man tap the head because he just got dunked on on the top on top of the noggin um, that's what that's signaling
1: it's pretty simple can can I say though I actually appreciate when like a Patrick McCaffrey goes to block a dunk Rather than being afraid of getting dunked on, uh, Garza did not not do that. Like he, when Io had his fast court dunk, uh, Garza just couldn't get a fifth foul. So I understood why he did that, but also probably smart of him not to be in a poster. But how about the dunks, Derek? Ten dunks. I think we covered three straight seasons where they didn't have ten dunks in a season, and in those three seasons combined, I, I'm serious. I think there was a uh, an era of John Gross basketball where we did, because they just didn't have the athletes to do it. At least, I mean, 10 dunks in a season, I don't think that ever happened. And you had one, 10 dunks in a game tonight. And only four from Kofi. Everyone got in the mix here. Corbello got in the mix. Miller and Desumu getting in the mix. Grandison with the bunnies throwing one down. It's
0: impressive. Yeah, I'm going to have to go into my Twitter search and. All caps Mav dunk, and I'm sure I'll find all the, all the <laughs> Jeremy Warner yeah. tweets, and we'll, we'll count them up. We'll get we'll get the tally. I'm sure there was not ten in a in a season for sure.
1: But the reason I did that Mav dunk is because like it was a dunk. Yeah, oh, no, I didn't right. dunk. Didn't have that. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. Um, let's get to a few more here. Um, there are a few about the future. Uh, C Mitch asks which eight and nine matchup do you want to avoid? So I'm going to go to my guy, Brad Evans. He's an Illinois grad. I uh, used to work at Yahoo, but now he's doing his own thing. FTNBets.com slash Big Board is where I like to go. Loyola Chicago doesn't scare me as much as other people. They play really good defense. But they're on the same eight line as Wisconsin, and that's kind of who I think of them as. Um, only they're shorter. So they got some good defenders if they get hot from three, maybe they can bother you. And I think they can give you a game, but they don't scare me as much. Oklahoma's played really good basketball. Uh, I think, you know, Rutgers, if you got them again, you know they can go off, but you know you can beat them. Now, I think Rutgers are a way different team than they were in December. I think it would be North Carolina, right, because they got waves of big guys they can send at you. and um, They're young elsewhere, but they're talented, right? Like I just think there's raw talent that maybe they can get Kofi bothered and in foul trouble and to the free-throw line and inefficient. So that's – I wouldn't I do wouldn't be too concerned about them, but I think North Carolina would be the 8-9 I wouldn't want to see across from me.
0: I think that's a good answer. I'm bringing up Lenardi right now. I see Oklahoma on there. Brady Manick is a five-man that can stretch you away from the, the paint. Now, how are they going to deal with Kofi offensively or just on the glass? That would be a – a major question, but Oklahoma has beaten some people. Uh, they beat Alabama and have won some impressive games in the Big 12. But they've lost five of six, including a yeah. Kansas State. Huh. Okay, that one's not good. <laughs> that one's not good. Missouri's on there. Would they really put Missouri as an A-9 uh, against Illinois as a one? Of course they would. Yes, they <laughs> would. Yeah, why not? Uh, in Missouri, we know what they bring as far as they have some physicality, some grit. Now would Illinois have some problems getting up for that game versus – this game in December that for whatever reason they've gotten out physical. I, I would feel better about Illinois being able to handle that. But one team I see here, if UConn's going to be on the eight line, when you got James Booknight and what he's doing, just as a guard who, similar to Iowa, can take over a game and and when everything's on the line, um, what he's been able to do here uh, late in this season, that that would be one that I would look at that might be dangerous. Uh, some other people ask, like
1: down the line, like two threes, fours, um, that would make you nervous. And, and right now, like you, would, the the thing I would love about Illinois is you wouldn't get Iowa, you wouldn't get Ohio State. Um, and I know you know you can beat those guys, but I think they're Final Four contenders. Um, well, I don't know if I really consider Houston that, but they'll probably go to Gonzaga if they're a two seed. So Alabama is probably the best two seed in my opinion, along with Iowa. And uh, I think Alabama really good. If you met them in Elite Eight, I would. I know they lost to Texas, but those are the those Big Twelve teams right now. Um, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Texas—those are teams I'd like to avoid. But I think you're going to get one of them uh, in an Elite Eight matchup if they can make it that far. But Oklahoma State's very talented, of course, with Cade Cunningham. Kansas is kind of rising at the right time, kind of living up to their preseason expectations. And, and Texas has a lot of size and, and athleticism. And, and even Arkansas, the three, they've played ridiculous basketball down the stretch. So, But once you get to the Elite Eight, I mean, you're not playing those teams in the Elite Eight. got to play somebody good, most likely. Um, so I think it'd be more the 4-5 line. And to be honest with you, not many teams on that 4-5 line make me nervous, except maybe a month ago they made me more nervous. West Virginia because this the style they play, but they don't guard. Um, and Florida State's still the physical talent matchup, just because they're so long and so athletic and they can shoot it.
0: Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of good stuff there. Texas is one that I would circle just because of their length and athleticism. That's kind of still the prototype for trying to beat Illinois, trying to keep Iowa out of the lane with athletic guards and wings. And uh, they don't have – they don't have Mo Bamba down low or whatever it may be to go up against uh, a Jared Allen to go up against Kofi, but uh, they do have Jericho Sims, Kai Jones, uh, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, Matt Coleman, as far as a backcourt that can kind of complement or go against a IO Trent and Curbelo. Uh, Texas is one I would watch. And then you mentioned Alabama. They're number one in the country, defensive efficiency. They've shown that when they're hot from three, they are extremely dangerous. So, Josh Primo, John Petty, they also have some dangerous threats in the backcourt that could give you some issues and give give you some fits.
1: All right. Uh, we had to get one in the future. Um, somebody just asked recruiting updates. Derek has a recruiting update that he put on the site here recently. You can go check that out. Uh, but somebody did ask a question that we've, we've talked about at certain points of the season, and it was uh, – well, let me see if I can find the person that actually – had the question, but it was basically about coaching staff. Could you have one of your assistants be picked off? And that is a great problem to have. <laughs> when When's the last time Illinois had an assistant? Was it Gillespie? The Billy Gillespie? I don't even know if it was him, but it's been a long time since Illinois had an assistant picked off uh, as a head coach. Um, so if that's the case, that'd be awesome for, for any of them. But Orlando Antigua certainly is a guy that should be getting attention and, and for me if a job like UCF came open um, or a, a high major job, you know if a DePaul came open would would he be interested in something like that that'd be interesting, but uh, he certainly deserves it but I also think Orlando can make a heck of a career as a number one assistant associate head coach, making close to a million dollars per year. Chin Coleman, I thought made sense for the Northern Illinois job certainly didn't get that one. But a lot of mid-majors and, you know, the state would make sense for him. And there could be a lot of those uh, come open here. Maybe Porter Moser moves on and and Loyola could open up at some point. Um, And then I think Stephen Gentry probably needs more time, but he's certainly bright, bright future and probably a future head coach somewhere. But these are good problems to have, Derek. And all these guys are going to start getting that kind of attention and maybe starting to get interviews because they're a part of one of the best programs in the country.
0: Yeah, right. When we have kind of hypothesized about you hitting this moment as a program, it is you look at Antigua and the guys he recruits. Well, if those guys come to Illinois and they win and they, they reach a certain level back on a national stage, then he's going to be in those conversations. And you've reached that when he's gotten Curbelo and Kofi and had Andres Felice and I understand the interest for him because just the connections that he's able to tap into, and he's a heck of a coach as far as being able to develop, develop big guys. And uh, but there are there are some red flags as far as how it ended at South Florida, and that's going to be uh, in people's minds, particularly I think at the high major level. Maybe uh, someone would want to see it at a mid major you know, before you get to, you know, coaching in the Big East or coaching in the ACC, whatever it may be. Um, so he, he's he's the number one guy to, to watch for this offseason coming up. And uh, I know he's linked to New Mexico. don't think he ultimately has interest there. And uh, we'll see what comes open. But I think Chen is another one, whether it's, you know, uh, Bradley at some point, Illinois State at some point, Loyola at some point. I uh, don't think it's going to be Eastern Illinois. Uh, but he's someone that again tapping into that Chicago Mac Irvin uh, he deserves the looks as well and, and Gentry's going to be a head coach at some point great basketball mind and uh, we'll see how he continues to recruit here going forward but all these guys the fact that we're even having this conversation says where this program's at yeah Gentry reminds me a lot of
1: the Yakla tries right like you, you become like the top assistant on the staff and i'm sure if and two got a job maybe gentry's the associate head coach or maybe chin is I don't, I don't know but some title like that um and then you know who the next guy would be i'm not sure but brad certainly one would have the reputation and two would certainly have the resources right and a great program to sell that hey i can lead you to be a head coach so i think that'd be a great problem to have if one of your assistants uh, gets hired somewhere else though so, I think Josh Whitman will do whatever it takes necessary to make sure everyone is happy uh, and stays together because he's got such a great thing going right now. Uh, Last one, Derek. Illinois certainly, and, and we don't need to dive into specifics, so I'm sure people would love it. Again, go to the site. You can find it. Illinois certainly seems to be doing a pretty good job of setting themselves up to capitalize on this in recruiting. So I know people are like, okay, how do you build all this? How do you get it next? Because the last time Illinois had a run like this, they didn't follow it up in recruiting. I have a lot of confidence right now that they're selling the heck out of this and that they can get another team and get another team after that because you got a great point guard next year with Andre Curbelo. Uh, you have really good talent around him. It looks like you're bringing in more talent. You could have more transfers. Getting a big man will be very important if you don't get Kofi back, but if you do get Kofi back, you're probably a top-five team nationally in the preseason. Um, but I think they seem to be doing a pretty good job of, of selling it. And they Brad said earlier this week, you better believe we're selling this on the recruiting trail.
0: Yeah, I mean, they certainly are. And we talked about it at dinner. If you were able to get a Namari Burnett, all of a sudden you would have three top fifty guards from the same class, as you said, sophomores and Curbelo, Miller, Burnett teaming together in that backcourt, which would replace a Trent Frazier if he does move on. Io, who of course is moving on, uh, Kofi is the the main factor, the main thing to watch for, because as we just spent the entire first part of this pod talking about. His sheer impact is just incredible, and it's going to be so jarring when, whenever it may be, when that dude's not there anymore, it's going to be really hard to. I mean, it's going to be near impossible to replicate what he's doing, but even to come close, as far as just every box that he's checking, because it's not just, oh, that dude dunks everything around the basket. Oh, that dude can make a move. No, I mean his defense around the rim just is so impactful. Like I said, his rebounding that's going to be interesting. Now, can Georgie give you enough? Defensively, probably not. Not enough to satisfy you game to game against some of these other big guys, but he can score. Uh, But Illinois is going to have a lot of opportunity, a lot of things to sell as far as the transfer market, a reclass big guy like, uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name, uh, Enoch Bayake, who was the the decommit from Michigan State who might reclass to 2021 and Five star. I mean, Illinois is in that mix. They're talking to a lot of guys like Ty Ty Washington's on the board again. Brandon Podzimski's coming up with a the decision. Uh, there's a lot in play right now for Illinois and still more to play out as far as the transfer market. And like you said, I mean, number three in the country and going to be a one seed. A lot to sell and uh, a lot more to read about on the side if, if you haven't done so already.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Derek
0: had that covered
1: earlier in the week. All right. We're going to wrap up. That was an hour. We gave you an hour after that day. Now we're going to go right another long night ahead. But um, hope you're enjoying this. Hope you're enjoying this run. We are enjoying covering it. Uh, but uh, this has been a fantastic run of to Continue in Selection Sunday. So check out I inquire for all the latest there. I did a story of Brian Barnhart that I'm about to post right now. I'll have a story on player grades coming up. Derek's got a, a column on, again, just uh, what Kofi and his impact has been. Because that was – Just uh, an epic performance um, by the Illini big man against the National Player of the Year. Joey's got more stuff as well. So all that coming up at Illini Enquirer. We will talk to you again on the podcast after. I think we'll wait until after Selection Sunday because we'll have the Big Ten title. Yeah, we'll have the Big Ten title to talk about. And then where Illinois, what their bracket looks like. We'll break that all down with you on Selection Sunday version of the Illini Enquirer podcast. Everybody have a great night. We'll talk to you on Selection Sunday right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot.